Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi here as always with Nima Tavali. So it's been another crazy week on the Mercato. Milan have continued their spending spree. They have signed Noah Okafor, who, well, I mean, this one came completely out of nowhere, but they finally got their striker that they needed so desperately. They're also about to sign Samuel Chukwese, the winger, explosive winger from Villarreal. So they have now spent all the money that they've uh, that they made for, for selling Sandro Tonali, and they brought in a host of players with that money. So Milan... Very, very busy. Uh, elsewhere, we've got Romelu Lukaku, who has come begging back to Inter. Um, he doesn't seem to have any club to go to, obviously, right now. Uh, Inter, there's also a goalkeeper mess at Inter. They go on their pre-season tour without a first-choice goalkeeper or a second-choice goalkeeper. <laughs> um, so what is going on there? Uh, Kim Min-Jae has now officially left Napoli. How will he be remembered? After one, only one season at Napoli, but what a season it was. Uh, Matteo Retegi, um, Italy's naturalised centre-forward, has joined or, or will have joined by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, Genoa, he's having his medical on Monday. Um, Arthur Mello has joined Fiorentina on loan from Juventus. Can he rebuild his career with such a, such a, the next Xavi, he was called by Xavi himself a few years ago. Can he finally rebuild his career? Paul Pogba at Juventus, can he rebuild his career? Uh, it's a total shambles right now. He's injured. He's probably not going to be fit for the start of the season. He's not going to play in the United States on Juventus' tour. So we will discuss that as well. Um, then Rasmus Hoyland, Manchester United are set to make an official bid this week for Hoyland. He's already agreed personal terms. How much should Atalanta charge Man United? What is he worth? Uh, lots of other topics which we will Aim to get into, but we'll see how we get on. We've got Kylian Mbappe, the domino effect of his transfer uh, away from PSG on Serie A teams and uh, even Inter being linked to him. Um, so um, lots to talk about. Uh, we've got plenty more as well. We'll see if we can get to all of it. Um, as always, uh, this is our, our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all our content that we do throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month, plus VAT. And for all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, etc., we'd really appreciate a five-star rating and give us a follow, subscribe to us. It really helps us to grow. Um, and I can just say, actually, um, that last Monday's show was our most listened-to podcast uh, ever since we started this three years ago. So uh, thanks, everyone, for your support. Um, so let's get into the, the, today's show. Okay, let's start with AC Milan, who have been very, very busy over the last week. They officially signed Noah Okafor from, from um, RB Salzburg. <laughs> Got the team there for a I was going to say, like, what um, was going on? <laughs> yeah, um, they signed him for between 13 to 15 million, including ad- add ons. Um, Nima, we know that uh, Milan have been uh, looking for a, a striker all, all summer. 
desperately because of Olivier Giroud is going to turn 37 and they needed a younger attacker. Um, what do you make of this? Is this, a, is this the right striker that they've brought in? I mean, that remains to be seen, whether or not he's a success or not. Um, it's, it's, you know, I'm not, I don't want to go into too much into that. But again, it reveals a clear strategy from on behalf of Milan. It, re- it reveals that they know exactly what they want to do, whether or not it's, it's successful or not. That's, a, you know, that, that remains to be seen. But it is clear that Milan are going after these, they're hoovering up young, talented players of a specific profile they want to play i think milan are becoming the 21st premier league team that i mean they don't play in the premier league of course but they're it seems to me the more you look at these signings that they intend to play premier league style football a high intensity high tempo game um with with all these signings that they brought in much more direct um and and that's you know you gotta you know they're having a fantastic window um you know they they're very ruthless in how they go about things. You know, again, 76 words, bye-bye Paolo Maldini, um, bye-bye Ricky Masara. Uh, and then they got to work. The first thing they did was sell Tonali, and they didn't give a damn what anyone said. They didn't give, give a damn about the criticism from the fans, from the media, from anyone. They just were ruthlessly went about their business. They've signed a couple of players who all are, you know, 27, you know, one 27-year-old, one 25-year-old, but most of them younger than that. And they're, they're bringing in a player who has pace, strength, intensity, can score, can create, very versatile, very very, very dynamic. Uh, he can play in all three positions in a 4-3-3. And I think, I think Milan are going to play a little bit like Napoli did last season. What do I mean by that? I mean by the sense that they're not going to be so rigid in their 4-2-3-1. I think they're going to be very, very fluid between their 4-2-3-1 and a 4-3-3. And Leao and... Um, Okafor and Chukwueze, if he arrives, you're going to see a lot of positional ch- uh, shifts, <clears throat> a lot of interpositional changes. It's 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 very clear how Milan are going about it, um, how they're going to play, and I think it's going to be very interesting to follow. I'm not, you know, it's again 24th of July. It's impossible to say where they are in the Scudetto if they can win it, but I think next season's title race is going to be very very tight, and I think it's obvious that Milan are in it. In yeah, I mean, I think with Okafor. Uh, specifically, I mean, I obviously uh, I, I don't watch him week in, week out, but I've seen him in the Champions League. I've seen him for Switzerland. Um, mm. I remember him causing Italy all kinds of problems in yes, that World did. Cup qualifier, the one-one when Jorginho missed. Well, he missed. <laughs> he missed Which penalties. In, yeah, he missed penalties <laughs> in, the, in both of them. But the, the, the second one, the second one that Italy when they they would have qualified for the World Cup if they'd won uh, at home. And um, and uh, he he Okafor started. Switzerland had a lot of players out, and he was quite unknown. No one knew much about him going into that game, and he caused he caused Italy all kinds of problems in that uh, in, in that game. That's the first time I stood up and took notice of him. Um, and uh, and I've seen him in the Champions League. He scored against Milan last season. He you can see he has that he has a quality. He has quality. You can see he has pace. He has the physical qualities, uh, the intensity that you talked about there, Nima. Um, you know he can score and create goals. Uh, but I also he's definitely a very flexible player. He's a very versatile player, and I think that's a positive because he can play in the centre. So he can rotate with Giroud, who obviously isn't going to be able to play every week at his age, but. As Milan are going to more of this 4-3-3, he can play on the left. He likes to go drift out to the left a lot, um, but he can also play on the right. Um, he can play in a front two, not that I think Milan will play in a front two. Um, 
but he he's he's got those physical qualities that he can stretch the play, he can work the channels. Um, so you know, I think there is the ability and potential there. He's young, um, he's not prolific. I mean, you look at his goal record: forty-three goals in one hundred and seventy-seven games. He's never hit double figures in the league. That obviously that has to improve if he is going to move on to the level that Milan need from from attackers. Um, but you can see the potential. I think in a way it's kind of there's the risk versus reward on this transfer. Uh, I think it's a good one for Milan in the sense that you know the price is good, thirteen to fifteen million, including add-ons. I mean, if this goes wrong, you know they can still sell and not make any, not make a loss at all, really. So I think there's there's not too much risk in this transfer. Uh, there's a lot more potential reward than there is risk. The, the biggest concern I have is, and we're going to talk about injury-prone players, including Pogba later, um, is injury record. That is a concern. His injury record is not good. He's had 13 different injuries in the last three seasons, lots of muscle and hamstring injuries. That can happen when you're young, obviously, growing pains and all that. Uh, so we'll see if Milan can sort that out. But that would be my my biggest concern, would be his his injury record. No, I think that's a good point. Um, I, I think that's a good point. But to me, I, if it's just to pick up on that financial point, it's Milan are having a fantastic summer. I mean, the way that they're investing, they're not overpaying for any players. They're even managing to sell, you know, <laughs> uh, but what's his name? Uh, for the Balotore, who, who who are one of our patrons calls Ballon Dore, um, <laughs> you know they're even managing to cash in on him, uh, and they're 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 doing a really good job this summer um, of 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 being able to sell players, get something for them, and it doesn't drag on. I mean the this this deal with Okafor was they completely kept that under wraps, and by the time it was leaked, it was already done. It was finished. It was done. Completely done. Mm. So. They're really doing something really interesting um, here, and uh, there, it's it's something new that we've never seen the city. What about Samuel Chiquezi? Because he he's he's going to join Milan as well. It's all yeah. it's it's a, it's a done deal. It's only you know he's going to come in. He's going to do his medical in the next day or so, and and then that will be done. And we're looking at twenty million plus eight million in bonuses, uh, four million a year. Um, Gabia, Matteo Gabia will go on loan to Villarreal as as kind of part of the of of the negotiation. Um, again, kind of fits into what Milan is trying to do: players with pace, intensity, physicality, versatility. You know, youngsters. Um, I mean, this is somebody that's that's been labelled by some, probably exaggerated, <laughs> the Nigerian Ian Robin. Um, he is certainly an explosive player. Um, I think it's yeah. I mean, I think it's another. It's an interesting one. He's 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 you know ten goals, seven assists last season in all competitions. Um, he you know he can score, he can assist. He you know he's inverted with his left foot from the right wing, so he offers something different to Pulisic. But what is interesting is that they now Milan now have depth, and I think that is something that is the positive out of selling Tonali for all this money is it's allowed them to, to get this depth in the squad and they've now got Pulisic and Trukwesi for one role on the right and then Pulisic could also play on the left as a as an alternative to to Rafael Liao and then Noah Okafor can play in the centre but he can also play on the left and the right and you know so there's 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 lots of options there that Milan now have in attack right 
Well, exactly. It's it's depth, and it's also above all, it makes their attack far less. You know, when you had Giroud, Giroud can only play in one position and in one way. Same with Zlatan. This makes them far less predictable. They have players now, and they're also even. You know, I've saw some rumors of them selling. Um, what's his name? Uh, who joined from Liverpool? Fifth striker. Um, Origi, yeah. Yeah, Origi, yeah. West Ham. Linked West Ham, which is, again, a free transfer. They sell him for 10, 12 million. That's a huge capital gains. I mean, they're, they're doing all the right moves. They're doing all the right things. Um, and and in order to do that, you know, when they get rid of these players and, and the ones that they keep, I mean, it, it makes them far less predictable. It makes them much more flexible, much more fluid, much more dynamic, modern. Milan is a modern, on paper at least, they look like a very modern side. Of course, it has to translate into the pitch. But I actually think that, you know, Milan is... Um, I, I like where Milan are. Um, I really yeah. do. Well, everything will be played out on the pitch at the end of the day. I mean, you know, a lot of these players that they have signed Milan are are discarded players, like Loftus-Cheek, like Pulisic. Yeah. Uh, they're players that the big clubs haven't wanted to go for. But you, know? you could say the same thing about Paul Pogba. He was discarded at United. Lukaku was discarded at Chelsea. I mean, th- that's Italian football for you, really. Italian football can't compete for the creme de la creme. They have to go for the pl- for the big money signings that fail in the Premier League and no other Premier yeah. League wants the to touch them The point is, though, that these are not, you know, none of these are guarantees as they are. I know no one is a guarantee ever, mm. but, you know, these are not, you know, I, I'm, I was just basically was saying that let's, let's be careful not to go overboard because, you know, it's not like they are signing absolute <coughs> world beaters here. They're signing players, you know, they've, they've, they've created a depth. They've brought in young players that could, could be great. At the end of the day, the, the proof will be in the pudding, how well yeah. they do. Well, well, uh, of course, like it is with all teams and all players and all signings. But I do see a project here. I see a clear line. I see a clear coherent strategy and i think milan again the same thing you know we saw about the the, the new stadium he's 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 pedal to the metal there now mm. it's still just talk but i think we could see something there and i think the yeah. mo- the moment that the penny drops and the shoe drops and milan officially <laughs> abandons on zero um that's going to be very interesting to see how inter react to that but um no i i think milan are doing they, you know, whether it's again, it's a results, it's a results based industry, and at the end of the day, if you fail, you're slashed and destroyed, and said, you know, you're an idiot for getting rid of Maldini and Masara and Tonali, but if you succeed, you'll be declared as a genius. Um, I all I'm saying at this point is, I see a clear, coherent strategy. I think it's the way that they want, not just on the pitch technically and tactically, but also off the pitch financially and the, and the kind of players they're going after. And I think it's going to be, I, I think it's, it gives you as a Milanese, Milan fan, if you're a Milan fan, you look at this and you go, hmm, there's actually a project here. There's a strategy here. There's something to look to here, something to believe in. And it's not finished yet either. They, they, no. they still, they still plan to sign a central yeah. fielder. Could yeah. be Musa. Yeah. They're going to sign a backup left back yeah. if, if Balotore leaves. Um, so, so they're not yeah. they're not finished yet, and no, they are no, spending no. that money. It's not a case of Juventus or or Inter yeah. in seasons past where they've sold players, big players, a, ton, a Tonali like player, and then that money has just gone to paying off debts. This is they're, they're reinvesting the money that they that they've uh, they've yeah. made. So that is that is a positive. Uh, yeah. And we saw them play against Real Madrid. Actually, they went two 0 up, although most of the players weren't many of the players won't even be first choice players necessarily for Milan, but they went 2-0 up. They ended up losing 3-2. But um, yeah, Pulisic was lively and a fantastic goal by Romero, Luca Romero. It, was yeah, like, um, it could be an interesting Like a Messi, Dybala-like, left-footed 
uh, left footer from him. So that was uh, that was good. Another to see. interesting signing that's gone under the under the radar. You know, he was at Lazio last season, and yeah, no, I found that strange because he he came to such a big fanfare and then um, and then and then left. Maybe we can. Uh, we can ask because uh, we're having a Lazio. Uh, yeah, we have a Lazio journalist our... this week on Wednesday or Thursday. I just need to finalize the last details about that. But yeah, we're doing a for all our patrons. We're doing we do a weekly uh, Mercato deep dive, a club specific one. We've done Inter, Juve, Milan, Napoli, Roma, and now we're doing Lazio this week. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see why Lazio uh, allowed him to to go. When mm. he was, yeah, when he came, it was uh, such a big fanfare. Um, okay, well, staying sort of in, in Milan, um, let's go back to good old Romelu Lukaku, who's in the news every single week on this podcast now. The man's um, an idiot. So, so after stabbing into in the back, he's now come back groveling on his hands and knees, uh, wanting to wanting Inter to take him back. Is that right, Nima? Here's what I think about all of this. Um, this was a masterclass by Giuntoli. Because Giuntoli knew that if Lukaku went to Inter, Inter win the Scudetto. It's as simple as that. Luke, uh, Lukaku, Lautaro, Turam, Correa walks the Scudetto by 5 to 10 points. And Giuntoli knew, didn't want that. Did not want that at all. So, And he also knows that Romelu Lukaku is the easiest, you know, is, is probably in all of football the most easily affected and, and imp- most impressionable person in all of football. I think you could, like I said, if you were to hold a, hold a broomstick in front of your face and talk, you could do the Jedi mind trick on him. He's very, very <laughs> easy to impre- impressionable. So they basically just told him. They that, unsettled Look, if, him. They yeah, unsettled and, him. and they unsettled him. And, and he's being as stupid and, and, and easily impressionable as he is, fell for it. And that soured his relationship with Inter. And I think Inter, you know, again, I was, I've been on this podcast for about a year and saying I don't think we should Inter should extend Romelu Lukaku's loan because I don't think he's worth the money. I, I would only take him on another season loan. I wouldn't buy him because I don't think he's worth the money. I think he's peaked. I don't think he'll ever be the player he was under Antonio Conte, which is the only two years he's been world-class ever in his career. I think physically he's declining. Um, but still, I think Inter need to, to stop this ridiculous behavior of any time Juventus is mentioned, they they destabilize themselves. This overreaction. Again, Romelu Lukaku is a Chelsea player. He's not your player. Marotta spent the last six months saying he's going back to Chelsea and then we'll see. Okay? I understand that was a tactic, but that goes both ways. He, he doesn't, you don't own, own the rights of the player and he doesn't owe anything to you. So he can talk to whoever he wants. Instead, this overreaction, yes, he didn't answer his phone for two, three days. That's incredibly immature and childish. But you have to be professional about these things. This is a business. There's no honor. There's no, nothing, nothing exists until the papers, the contract is signed. And there was no contract signed. So Inter, I think, overreacted. They dis, you know, the, the way that, you know, the, the, the dressing room has also gotten involved, which I also think is ridiculous. I think the dressing room should never be involved in player signings. I think that's part of the management that they should they should protect the dressing room from all of that. But clearly that's now a, an issue um, and, and they don't want him back. And now he's not going to come back and Inter have weakened themselves. Congratulations, you played yourself. And Lukaku definitely played himself because you aren't going to get him. Uh, so you might, you might want to, as, as a... As some of some Inter fans on Twitter say, you, you know, start learning Arabic, Romelu, because that's where you're going. He probably can speak it. To be fair, he speaks yeah. about a billion languages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, because I mean, Chelsea definitely don't want him. Inter have decided to close the door on him. Juve 
weren't, you know, if for Juve it's a win-win situation. Um, they 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 prevented Inter from getting Lukaku, which was the main target, their main goal, and Lukaku allowed them to do it, and Inter allowed them to do it. So you know, it's I think it's a ridiculous situation. Inter now going after Balogun, which completely changes how Inter play. Um, and again, <laughs> once again, it's another Bremer 2.0, only this time even dumber, because Bremer was all Inter's fault. This is kind of Romelu Lukaku and Inter deciding to allow Juventus to completely destabilize their project for no reason whatsoever. And whenever these things happen at Inter, they have repercussions for five, six weeks, or for, well, six, seven months last time with Bremer, really. So again, they've created a mess of their own making for no reason. And they don't they don't know how to handle crises uh, at this club, and it's and this is this wasn't even a crisis. Juventus wanting to sign Romelu Lukaku but not having the money is completely ridiculous. There is nothing there there. And then whenever he answered the phone after three four days, if he didn't have the internet, will use that as leverage in your favor and say, "Look, Lukaku, Romelu, we've done all this for you. You go missing. You got to give up some of your money for us yeah. to continue this signing." Like again, be professional. Don't mm. be emotional teenagers. And unfortunately, that's kind of how Inter is run. It's run very emotionally. It's run very unprofessional. It's unlike Marotta. In the past, yeah, absolutely. During the Maratti era, it was... it was, And then during the, the so-called Banta era, yeah, I, 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 I buy that. Uh, but not in the Marotta era. Like, I remember going back with Moji. I remember the time when, when he... Uh, he 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 made into sign Cyril Domaru like mm. shit like that just by leaking a, just by leaking it to the newspaper and Maratti yeah acted and like stu- stupid this is stuff I mean, like this is, this that this emotional stuff but that's yeah. not Marotta though Marotta isn't like that so I, I kind of am surprised and Marotta does have a price and he does have a you know this is it and so I'm kind of surprised but maybe like you I'm said, not maybe, because maybe the got, dressing room got involved maybe yeah maybe and you've got Stephen Zhang there and you've got you know what's his name there Piero Auxilio there who who apparently when when Lukaku phoned started yelling and shouting for 45 mm. seconds before but maybe you know what the might, maybe but this is maybe childish. Inter realized rightfully so that that Lukaku actually isn't that important it's not actually that much of a big deal if they don't get Lukaku because like you like you've said admitted yourself well He's really not worth that much. He's not uh, worth that money, but no, in terms exactly. of the kind of player he is and what he can give you in terms of the rotation, that you know, it was quite obvious that was what they were going to do. That what they did from April and onwards was how they were going to play, and they were looking to strengthen the team. Well, Lukaku can do that job for you. He'll yeah. win you a Serie A title. He'll score you 10, 15 goals, important goals in the Serie A to win you the Serie A. If mm. you bring in Alvaro Morata, if you bring in Balogun, if you bring in whoever. That changes all of that. None of them play like that, and 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 that again makes you look just silly and stupid. Unless you unless you 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 really believe that Marcus Turam can hit the ground running and be that guy, which I absolutely think he can. I just think it's again it's an unnecessary risk because, you know, that together with selling on Ana and having Di Gennaro who played in the Serie C. And no other goalkeeper, you're not going yeah, to... Yeah, so what is going on with the Inter goalkeepers? Why why are they, why are we got into this ridiculous situation where Inter are going on a pre-season tour with no goalkeeper? Because Inter are Inter. Because Inter are not an organised and professional club. Why have they not signed Sommer or Trubin? Why have none because of these Because Jan Sommer is different. It's got nothing to do with it. I don't like when people talk about, say, you know, I, I don't like when people are dishonest. It's not about one and a half million euros that Inter doesn't want to spend. It's about Bayern Munich not having a, ha, not wanting to give, not wanting to be Inter and not 
have a goalkeeper because Neuer's physical status is up in the air and they need to find a replacement first because they, unlike Inter, are a professional organization and run like a well-oiled machine. So they're not going get, to get rid of, my, of, of Jan Sommer until they have a replacement. That's why that deal is not being done. It's got nothing to do with one and a half million and penny pinching. That's just a, that's just childish <laughs> shit that some people... Well, Morata's been there before, to be fair. Yeah, but it's Marco just childish. Yeah, that, Marco Verratti was not an essential part of Juve that summer. Uh, Jan Sommer is going to be a starter. It's got it's it's a completely different situation. This has got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with the fact that Bayern Munich don't want to sell, don't want to put themselves in that position that Inter are in because Bayern Munich are understand that every negotiation is about leverage and you don't want to give up that leverage, right? So they've conditioned Jan Sommer's sale to Inter on first acquiring a replacement, which is what every professional seriously run club should do. Not Inter, who sell Andre Onana and then turn up and stand there with wondering, oh, did the price go up? Oh, we don't have any leverage in this negotiation, which is exactly what's happened for Trubin. Trubin is, you know, Shakhtar ain't gonna, are, are not going to budge from their 30 million now because they don't need to. Sure, he'll, his contract expires in a year. Okay, try to gamble on that, get Ingan Sommer for a year and then, I don't know, buy some other, either use Stankovic as a backup together with Di Gennaro and, and try to survive that for a year and, and try to t- snap Trubin up on a free transfer. That's great, but it is what it is. It's still very risky um, if, you, if, you, if, you, uh, if you do that. And it, but again, it's, it's this notion that they, they don't... They talk... I mean, there's no... It annoys me that they have a press conference where Inzaghi goes out once again, exactly like last year, starts talking about how the second star of the Scudetto is the objective. They sell Onana. They don't have any starting or second goalkeeper. They got Skriniar left. And the replacement is going to be, what, Palomino or Toloi? And you're talking about Scudetti? Are you serious? It's It's stupid. You know, uh, the Quadrado thing, I think, actually is, is going to be good for Inter as a rotation player for between him and Dumfries. I think that's fine. I think the midfield has changed. I don't know if it's better or not. It's the same discussion we had about Milan because Brozovic is much more patient in the build-up. It's clear Inzaghi wants to have a much more vertical and much more direct style of play, much more intense. That's why Fratesi comes in. That, I think the midfield is fine. The attackers, Lautaro, Turam, Correa is okay. But is it enough? So you've, you've sold players for 70, you've bought players for 23 with, what's his name, um, Fratesi. Okay, so you still have money to spend. I get that the structure of the, you know, the Lukaku deal, I still think 40 million was too much. Inter were, went to, I'm glad that deal fell apart from a financial perspective, but you need to improve the team. And Yes, Bastoni, Acerbi, Darmian worked last year. Maybe it works this year. But that means that next summer, you have a lot of work to do on your defense. A lot of work. And this stopgap nonsense. And bringing in Toloi... Unless they really believe in Bissek. And, and you know, they've seen yeah, something and, in, in and they do. And they do believe in Bissek. And I think they're right to believe in Bissek because I think he's, he's looked really good since he came in. He's coming with the right energy. Obviously, it's early days still. But they believe in him, and that's great. That's a fantastic scouting if that pans out. Well done, you know? But Toloi, it's it's insulting. Um, And, you know, Bisek costs 7 million euros. Where are you putting this money? Then why are you saying that you're going to reinvest and make the squad stronger and talk about second stars? You're not doing that. You need five players. You You need a striker. You need a... 
right replacement for Skriniar. You know, you need another midfielder. I mean, what what is the two goalkeepers? And it's twin July twenty fourth. Now, it's it's not it's not a good look. It makes Inter look silly, um, and it makes you want they just look disorganized. And that's kind of you know all of that came after Juve destabilized the Lukaku deal. And Inter allowed them to do it. And it's so frustrating. So frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's strange what's going on, certainly with the, with the goalkeepers and the, and, and the centre-backs as well, in terms of replacement. Um, talking about centre-backs, though, Kim Min-Jae has mm. now officially left Napoli to join Bayern Munich. Um, yeah, very, very sad to see, to see him leave after one season. How will he be remembered, though? Well, we've had a, quite a few of these Serie A one-season wonders. Um, you know, Roberto Carlos, Hakimi. He, uh, you know, Thierry Henry, but although he wasn't really that good when he wasn't six months at Juve. Um, but no, I think he will be remembered in Naples forever. That goes without saying. Um, but I think that we will, for me, he will be one of that season, the level that he consistently played at in the Serie A and also in Europe. I think last season, he, he was my personal favorite. I think he was the best central defender in, in the world last year. That's just my personal fa- my personal opinion. I think he was unbelievable. Very complete and really kind of almost together with Huicha Kvaratskhelia became the symbol of that Mercato. You know, Koulibaly out, Kim Min Jae in. Lorenzo Insigne, Denis Mertens out, Hvica Kvaratskhelia in. I mean, those brilliant genius signings that laid the groundwork for that Scudetto run and win is, you know, he's, 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 he was a pillar of that. And I worry for Napoli because Rudy Garcia has never really known how to organize a defense. And I think, you know, it's, it's difficult to find a replacement. I mean, you can't replace Kim Min Jae. You have to find, you know, you have to find a defender who follows in the steps of how you want to defend but and a hope that he turns out pans out well but Kim Min Jae was was a jackpot sign yeah to think that that he replaced Kaladu Kulabali who had been you know mm. just well the bet for me the best definitely the most consistent center back in Serie A over the time period that he was in that was he was in Serie A of course there was Chiellini and there was there was Bonucci and there was Skriniar and, mm. and all these players. But if you look at like consistently mm. over that longer period, long period of time, it was a monster. Um, it was Koulibaly, and that to think that Kim Min Jae came from Fenerbahce, his first time in a big, big league, one it's of the major dominated. leagues in Europe, and he came in and instantly became the best player in the in the league, and like you said, one of if not the best domestically, I would say in in Europe last season. Uh, was was incredible, and he was just yeah, he was a monster. He was a monster physically. He is a monster physically, um, but everything about him. I mean, even when you know when you look at his numbers last season, he was top in the charts or in the top three or five in pretty much every key metric that you that you measure a defender for you know, aerially, interceptions, uh, duels won. Um, I mean, he was he was. Uh, tackles everything he was he was absolutely magnificent magnificent that, that center half pairing of delicht and kim min jay can 
on well, paper. I yeah, I mean, I had my question marks over that because I just think they're both a little bit similar to each other. But, you know, I, mm. I think it depends who plays. I mean, what, do you drop up a Meccano? Who's going to play? Is it going to be a Well, three? yeah, you is drop it, up a Meccano. Is it going to be a That's exactly what you do. <laughs> that's exactly what you do. You drop up a Meccano. Yeah, I don't know. I think that, that you play those two together, you lack a bit of pace. Cause neither, I don't think neither, you do because I think Kim, Kim more than makes up for that. Don't you reckon? I mean, it's he, well, he's yeah, fast. Again, it depends who you're playing with. You know, it depends who, who, who how well the, the, the point. That's my only doubt is whether how, how he fits with two similar players in terms of build, physical build, and and you know he, he's he moves better than 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 Dilip, That's for sure. He doesn't move well at all. Um, but but you know they're kind of similar stature and frames. Um, but you know as for Napoli, I mean he's going to be incredibly hard to, to replace. They haven't replaced him yet. And some of the players that they've been linked to as replacements, they don't fill me with too much confidence, to, to be honest. I'm seeing like Max Kilman of, uh, of Wolves, one of the main uh, targets, and, and um, the Japanese lad, um, whose name I've, I've forgotten as well. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, Napoli got a lot of work to do. Napoli haven't done anything in the transfer market yet at all. Um, so they need, to, they need to get moving uh, as well, Napoli. Right, let's move on to a transfer, another transfer that is going to be completed in the next hours or if not days, and that is Matteo Retegi, who is uh, has travelled to Italy now. He's in Italy for his medical. He's going to join Genoa in a deal that's worth around 13 to 16 million euros. Um, of course, uh, nobody had heard of Retegi up until a few months ago until Roberto Mancini plucked him out of the Argentine league, out of the obscurity, uh, and he was naturalised, Argentina-born, of course, but he has an Italian passport, and he made his Italy debut in uh, in March, having uh, never ever... Um, I'm not even sure if he'd ever been to Italy. He'd, he'd never played in Italy uh, or played in Europe, uh, and he scored two goals in his first three appearances with Italy. He scored on his debut against England and then again in the, the game after against Malta. Um, and he's yes, yeah, so he's moving to Genoa. He'll be coached by the ex-Italy striker Alberto Giladino. Um, what do you think of this of this transfer, uh, Nima? I think it's such an intelligent signing by Genoa, um, and I think that 10, 15, 16 million euros is exactly what he's worth. Um, Genoa are doing some smart things uh, with with uh, with South American uh, with the South American players. Um, they they already started. Uh, with um, the young Uruguayan defender, central defender Alan Maturo, who was part of the under-20 Uruguay team that won the World Cup for under-20, was also named the defender of the tournament. And this is a player who I think is is going to be the next left back, thing. right? Maturo. No, he's left a centre back. back. He's a centre back. Um, he plays. Yeah, he's a centre back, um, and he's he's very very good. Uh, he's he's so he's got physical presence, which is what you want from a defender. He's a good ball playing uh, defender as well. And this is you know Genoa are building interesting things because they, they, you know they they continue to down on this down this path of young South American players who they can buy cheap and then you know maybe sell on at a profit. And I think Retegi is going to score quite a few goals um, for them because again you have to remember 
this guy is not a dribbler. He's not a superstar, like household, you know, technical g- guy. He's a goal scorer. And in the Serie A, if you, if you have that killer instinct, you can easily, with a team like Genoa, who, who will not have teams, you know, defending in low blocks against them, he will get his chances. He will have his space. And if he can, you know, and based on what we've seen so far, he's quite the killer in the box. He can, he'll, he'll convert. And that means he can score some 15, 20 goals for, for Genoa. So, no, I think it's a really, really it's smart a step up for him because I think some people will have been a little bit disappointed in the sense that, you know, this is the Italy, the Italy national team striker. Uh, he had a good start for Italy when in both of his first two games, mm. and you know he was linked with a lot of big clubs, including Inter, uh, and yeah. but also uh, some of the other like European. He teams. will never listen. I don't. I'm, I'm glad Inter didn't go after this guy because he's not. Look, in these big clubs, you have to you have to have you have to be able to play with your back against the goal. You have to be link up. You have to hold up. Your touch has to be better. This guy isn't that guy. He's uh, he's he's more of a you know penalty area finisher. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think you can play for a Milan or Inter or Juve or a Napoli unless you are the elite. Like the, if you can if you can do what elite strikers do. Um, so I think this is an int- this is smart by Genoa. I think it's good for him in the sense that it's a it's not a two a step that's too high up. He will be guaranteed playing in in the Serie A, and Mancini will look at him, and I think he'll score lots of goals. I really think so. Mm. Yeah, well, let's hope that he can be the the next Diego Milito, who, of course, when he moved to, to Genoa, <laughs> was absolutely magnificent, and then became um, well, we saw what he did at Inter, uh, yeah. and he became one of the best strikers in the world. So. Um, yeah, we hope that that is the, um, a similar path for Retigi in terms of, uh, well, we're thinking from the Italy national team point of view. Uh, staying with South Americans, Arthur Mello has joined Fiorentina on loan for the, the coming season. Um, kind of strangely extended his contract with Juventus from 2025 to 2026 uh, and then immediately moved on loan to to uh, to to Fiorentina, many people will be wondering why he extended his well, contract. This financial, was, isn't this it? was an yeah an accounting trick yeah. to to spread out the cost of uh, the amortization over over a, a longer period. Um, and he yeah, so Juventus won't be won't be paying uh, anything extra. I think his wages are also getting extended uh, ex- extended over that period as well. Um, so he, Juventus won't be won't be losing anything else and they will hopefully be they'll be hoping that Arthur does well at Fiorentina so that so that he can then join them permanently although you know I'm not sure that will happen because his salary is so high but they, they've got an option uh, I think for 20 million euros but I'm sure Juventus would probably end up accepting less uh, if it came to that so the question is can Arthur Mello rebuild his career because it's been a total disaster for him uh, since Allegri joined Juventus but even just in general at Juventus uh, and even if you look at his last season at Barcelona, he, he was already starting to, yeah, things were starting to go wrong. Can he, can this guy become the player who, you know, Xavi himself called him his heir? Um, can he do that at Fiorentina? I hope so. I really liked him um, at Barcelona the first seasons. Um, I thought he was really good, but I've, I felt bad for him since, you know, injury problems and stuff like that. But he's only 26, so... You know he's got a good few years, and I think Florence is 
is the right kind of stature in terms of size of club for him to go to. I think he'll do really well there. I hope so anyway. I hope he can play regularly. And I think he will, you know, playing for a position-based system in the in, in the Vincenzo Italiano system is, is, uh, is going to suit him. But the question is, can he stay fit and can he try to get some continuity in playing time? That's a big if because he's had horrible, torrid time these last few years. Hmm. But, I mean, it's, it's if you look at the cost, it's barely... What two million euros with another two million? Or I mean, that's, and 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 his wages are mostly being paid by Juve. I mean, this is virtually zero financial commitment by Fiorentina. No? So yeah. it's a. Smart I mean, he's going to be the for replacement for for Amrabat, who's mm. who's going to leave this summer. I mean, they're slightly different players, but 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 yeah. I mean, what what I think will definitely help uh, Arthur is that you know yeah, like you said, possession based system. Mm. Um, they like to control and dominate the ball. Lots of 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 uh, short passes, uh, but also Italiano encourages risk taking and press, in, in, inviting the press and players being able to get out of that. And Arthur Mello, that was his probably his greatest strength. Yeah, was was picking up the ball and then inviting the press and then getting out of trouble and breaking that first line. And you know, it feels like a long time ago now, but you know, yeah. he really was elite. He was one of the best in the world at doing that. There were very few that could do it as well as he could back then, but. Um, so yeah, I mean, I hope that with a coach, that the right coach for him, which is Italiano, then he can do that. If he can't, then it's end of career for him because if he can't do it, yeah. with a, with a, if he can't do it with a coach who's actually you would think is suited to his to his type of football, then then you have to just say, you know what, he's oh, a, he's a failed, he's a failure, yeah. and it's a failed career, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. Promised okay, so right. much, but delivered so little. Yeah, yeah. Talking about uh, careers that are are ended that promised um, so much and delivered so little. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that's a little bit unfair on Pogba. He he delivered so much at certain points of his career, but he certainly didn't fulfil his 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 the very sky high potential that he had. Um, so the Paul Pogba circus goes on. Uh, he's he's going to miss the entire. Uh, US tour for for Juventus. I should I should say that he is in the Amer- United States. He has travelled with Juventus to to America. Uh, cynics will say, including me, I'm a cynic. Um, he's only in the United States for marketing reasons and no other reason um, at all because he's not going to play. Allegri has has actually confirmed that now that he's not going to play any of of Juventus's friendlies um, there. So uh, he's Juventus just- mascot. He's, he's Juve's American <laughs> mascot, then. Exactly. He's just there to do the photos on Instagram and, and, and things like that. Um, so Pogba will be training individually in the gym um, on the bike and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, and he's, he's not going to play. Um, the season starts now in, what, three and a half weeks, just, mm. uh, just under a month on the 20th of August, away at Udinese. And he's very unlikely to be to be well certainly isn't going to be fully fit I mean I think we can safely say he's not going to start that game uh, at best he's going to be on the bench and um, yeah we're in a ridiculous another ridiculous situation with Pogba we, we saw what happened last season he missed 53 games last season for Juventus six different injuries he played only 161 minutes of of football that's less than two games worth of football um and he only started one match in the entire season and that match he went off injured uh, after 24 minutes and and then and then his season was over uh, he got one assist no goals during that time uh, 10 appearances in total uh, and um you know the whole 
plan for Pogba, of course, was to try and prove himself this season, uh, make up for that disastrous season last season. Uh, and here we are. And, you know, Allegri's admitted we have no idea when Pogba's going to be back. Um, so this is all happening amidst an offer from Al-Hilal that is still on the table. Um, and, I mean... I Juventus, don't understand what you are doing. Uh, if if you can offload him to, to Al-Hilal, then you do it. That, that would be the equivalent of winning the lottery. Um, they would get rid of his wages. Even if they paid them 5 million euros, they'd make a 5 million euro plus Valenza or capital gains. And this one would actually be real. So it would be, it would just, just a win-win for them. They get a giant salary off the, off the books. He's ne- it's, it's how much more do we need to look at that? This guy's body is, it's not, he's not going to be, he's not, he's not going to be able to play again at that level that he did. I mean, he can barely stay fit during at any point now, the last few years, mm-hmm. how 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 many he's got? How much? How many games has he even played? It's 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 obvious, you know. Yeah. No, no, and it predates him at Manchester United, as we've said on this pod so much. I mean, look at his injury record for United in the in the recent seasons before he left, and and it's it's it's, it's horrendous as well. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I think the issue is not Juventus. I think Juventus clearly would would be happy to offload him. Probably they would even happily offload him on a free transfer if it meant not paying his wages. Um, it's, it's, it's Pogba. I think Pogba, you know, he, he, he doesn't want to give up on on Juventus and he doesn't want to give up on his European, top-level European career. Uh, I think he probably still has an eye on the Euros for France as well and next year. And he shouldn't be looking at that at all. He shouldn't even be thinking about that. But I think he, he's not ready to, to give up. Uh, some of it might be living in denial, you know, we've seen it with some great players, Cristiano Ronaldo being an example where, you know, great players, it's the end for them and they just can't seem to accept it. Bonucci maybe is another one, also at Juventus. Um, but, you know, it's, it's uh, absolutely think Juventus would, would jump at it. But I think it's Pogba. I think Pogba doesn't want to move to Saudi Arabia. He wants to still hold on to the hope that he can make it Juventus. But, I mean, he's staring everyone in the face, isn't it? Uh, no, it's it's obvious. It's sad, but you know it is what it is. He's not the first player to, with incredible potential, to have a career ruined by injury, um, and he won't be the and last. I think, and I think I think also it now makes sense also why Juventus are clearly going for Frank Kessier. It's they see him as a as a as a as a as a replacement or as the man to to, to replace Pogba. And he would be states. perfect for for Allegri in in his system and yeah. and look again also if if it's true that Antonio Conte is coming in a year's time I mean, we know how much he loves Frank Kessier too so it makes sense they're may, once again doing smart things i mean i did see a rumor about Spalletti potentially taking over Juve in a year's time I'm not entirely sure about that but uh, but it would be fascinating if Spalletti got his chance at Juve. Mm. Yeah, we'll absolutely. See. Staying with Frenchmen, Kylian Mbappe. Now, <sighs> if we're talking about outside of Italian football, just football as a whole, it is Kylian Mbappe who has dominated all the football headlines over the last, well, 48 hours, uh, certainly, because PSG have basically exiled Mbappe. They've refused to take him on their summer tour to Japan. They have transfer listed him. And they have made it crystal clear that um, either Kylian Mbappe signs a new contract or he must leave this summer. Um, 
so that they don't lose him on a free transfer because his contract runs out in a year's time. And Mbappe wants to to see out his contract at PSG. He wants to join Real Madrid on a on a free transfer in a year's from now. At least that's what I understand. And the reason for that is because he's he's due to to make an absolute fortune on his PSG contract this season, as well as loyalty payment, um, massive loyalty payment for staying uh, at PSG for for another season. Uh, not to mention the huge signing on fee that he's going to get from for joining uh, Real Madrid. So he's been very greedy, uh, Kylian Mbappe. Um, PSG have made it clear though that they have they're prepared to. to I mean, I don't. I'm not sure if this will actually end up happening, but they're prepared to keep him on the bench all season um, if he um, if he refuses to. To, to leave, and we know what Al Khalifi is like when he th- when he uh, makes threats. <laughs> he, yeah, uh, but he was. Yeah. It's it's such a stupid thing, man. They should have sold him to Real Madrid when they had that giant offer. Um, instead, they decided to keep him, and now it was obvious that he wasn't. I mean, he only committed a three year contract, which was like everyone was like, "Huh, that's not a commitment." So mm. he was always going to join Real Madrid. It was and two, PS- actually, it was actually two year contract. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, mm. but I mean, it was it was hardly a commitment, and. So why not? You know, so they should have just sold him. They should have bite, bit the bullet. Then. I do think the World Cup coming to it. I think I think it was a, it would have been bad luck losing Kylian Mbappe, Qatar losing Kylian Mbappe before the Qatar World yeah. Cup. I think I do think that definitely played that's into fair. it. That's fair. That's fair. That's true. But I, think, still... I think that probably could come into it. Plus, Ali Kaifi, we know what he's like. Um, you know, he has. I mean, he's been going for court for 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 for, um, for on charges of. Um, of uh, um, uh, capturing, not capturing someone, kidnapping, kidnapping, <laughs> kidnapping someone. Um, so capturing, um, capturing, so, <laughs> capturing, kidnapping. So middle, thing, isn't it? I mean, there's being a boomer, and then there's usually like these middle middle age ter- legal terminology. <laughs> the pirates captured him. <laughs> Captain Blackbeard captured him from for his ship. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, so so yeah. I mean, uh, anyway, what does this have to do with Serie A? Um, well, first nothing. of all, uh, absolutely first of all, nothing. Back no, this is this is this is such nonsense. We didn't report this on Semprinta for this specific reason that I'm not going to publish something that I know is an absolute nonsense lie that is being put out there by PSG only to try to get um, Real Madrid to make a move for him. Um, oh yeah, because Real Madrid are really going to believe it into no, into. but I mean it's not just Inter, it's it's Chelsea, it's Tottenham, it's Man United. <laughs> I mean it's just nonsense. All of it is nonsense. Who has the, more chance of signing Kylian Mbappe, Inter or Tottenham? I don't think any of them have a chance to sign him. But if any of <laughs> either of them did, I think I liked your I liked your tweet where where you you wrote here is Inter's offer for for Kylian Mbappe, and then you you, you posted a. Um, the gif a, of Michael Corleone a, yeah. the scene when he speaks to the senator from Nevada saying here's my offer nothing because <laughs> that's exactly it Inter don't have that kind of money um, and you know it's it's not going to happen so I mean the Saudi offer I think is pretty enticing what was it 200 million euros depends who you listen to I mean there's there's one there's been one story today that, that I mean it's absolute bonkers um, that, that um, Al-Hilal are offering uh, PSG three hundred million, mm. and then they will pay Kylian Mbappe seven hundred million for a one-year contract, and they will let Real Madrid buy him on a free transfer in a year's time. It sounds absolutely bonkers. It sounds like something that, that absolutely must be fake news, and surely it's fake news. Surely even the Saudis wouldn't spend a billion just to have Mbappe for a whole just for a year. <laughs> but, I mean, who knows? The, the, the Saudi league and the money they're spending is absolute madness, and. 
everything around Mbappe's madness. But I mean, if we're talking seriously here, there is a domino effect here because, and it is important for Serie A because if Mbappe leaves PSG and let's say joins Real Madrid this summer, PSG then sign a replacement. We're thinking probably Dusan Vlaovic. That then unlocks the the market for Juventus. It means that they have the money to sign a striker. Maybe it's even Lukaku. Maybe they go back in for Lukaku. They've got the money for Lukaku. Um, who knows? But they sign a striker. They can't sign a striker until until they have. If if uh, Juventus sign Lukaku, then Chelsea then buy a replacement for Lukaku. Maybe PSG don't go for Vlaovic. Maybe they, they put 200 million on the table for Ossiman. And maybe Ossiman leaves. Unlikely, you'd think. But, you know, De Laurentiis will, will sell at crazy price. So, I think the Mbappe transfer is, there is going to be a domino effect there on, on Serie A. Um, so that is where I think this transfer is important for, for Serie A. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So I don't, you know, <laughs> it's, it's never going to happen in a million years because Italian football, no Italian club has that kind of money to be able to afford even six months of his wages. And yeah. I think... Yeah, I know, I know. I'm talking about him joining Real Madrid, though. Yeah, 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 fine. That's fair. But no, I think it's... Um, no, he, I, I think the Saudi thing, I don't think it could be fake news. I actually think it could happen. It would be the the kind of icing on the cake on this summer where Saudi is, is building their league. And just for a year would make perfect sense. It's an interesting conundrum for the, for the, for the, for the Qataris, for Al-Khalifi, because on a political level... And just on on a terms of, you know, talking about pride, um, they you know, can't Qataris, compete. Qataris selling to Saudi Arabia, yeah, is, but they can't uh, compete. Yeah, they can't is compete. Not a, is something that you know they've always made clear: we're never going to sell to Saudi no. Arabia. We're yeah. never going to sell Mbappe. And it's, it's politically, it's a huge embarrassment. It's a humiliation. Yeah. For them I, to sell to, to them, and you know, you know the culture there yeah. better than I no, do. Yeah, but it's know. not just that. It's, so, it's, but things are changing there as well, and it's, it's, it's been you know things are not as heightened as they once were. Uh, yeah. But the, the thing is, if the but the thing is, is yes, it would be transfer. it would be a huge loss in terms of like from from um it would be the it would be the symbol of Saudi overtaking Qatar as the power from the Middle East to in, in football. You know, it would be Not a very that, symbolic. But, but that is a that is definitely the you know a huge game changer just in terms of even if we want to take the Premier League because you're getting Mbappe, you're not getting old players like Karim Benzema, 35 years old, or or second second level uh, yeah. players like Ruben Neves, for example, or even Musa Diab or Musa Diaby's gone to Aston Villa now. You know what that level player? We're talking about the very elite players, you know, that's, that's a, that is a game changer. But it's just they, for a year. And then he joined Real Madrid on a free transfer. And it's, 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 oh, yeah. even, even if it's so. just for a year, but it opens, it will then open the doors. More people will come because of Mbappe's. Absolutely. Thing. And I think um, that's what, uh, that's, that's, that could happen for sure. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, staying on strikers now. So mm. many, so many transfers, transfer stories at the moment. So Rasmus Hoyland, um, Manchester United have already agreed personal terms with Hoyland. We know that Hoyland wants to make the move. He's made that very clear. Um, now, this week, it's, it's, it's accepted by everyone that Manchester United are going to make an official bid for Hoyland uh, this this week. So the question is, uh, it seems like it seems like Atalanta have already found their replacement for Hoyland as well, and that's El Bilal Torre of Almeria, although they face competition from Everton. Um, so it looks like, yeah, Atalanta are, are, you know, 
accepting that that Hoyland, there's a good chance he's, he's he is going to leave mm. for Manchester United. The question is though, um, what should the transfer fee be? How much should should Atalanta be, be be asking for? Because we've seen different numbers go around for this. We, we originally. You know, it seemed like United were going to kind of bid around 35, 40 million. Uh, that was deemed way too low and that Atalanta were looking for more around about 60. But then we've seen recently that actually Atalanta are now actually asking for more closer towards 70, 80 million. So, you know, we don't know. We'll see later this week when the bid comes in what what, what they're asking for and what United are, are, pay, are prepared to pay. But how much do you think that Atalanta, how much do you think he's worth and how much do you think Atalanta should charge United for? I think this is so difficult to talk about because we're talking about a player who's really only had one good season. He's still very young, incredible talent. All of that is true. But, you know, usually, uh, based on the transfer window, I mean, I'd say Vlaovic for how much he joined Juve for. That's where I'd probably charge for mm. Hoyland. So eight. So you're talking 70 yeah. to 80 with, with, with add-ons and bonuses. Yeah, something like that. Well. That's where you mm. get... Um, if you go, um, yeah, that's, that's the level you're at if you're trying to, to uh, you know, usually for these kind of young strikers, that kind of mode. But, I mean, that's, you know, it is a big risk because Vlaovic is yet to fulfill his potential. Um, that's what I mean. I mean, the Vlaovic is almost like a warning because mm. Vlaovic had achieved more and had yeah. been playing for much longer than, mm. than, than Hoyland at, at, at this level. Uh, I mean, um Vlaovic had a had a whole year where he 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 was second or third top scorer in all of Europe yeah. when he went for for eighty million to, yeah. to Juventus. Um, whereas Hoyland, I mean, you say he had one season, he's really only had half a season because yeah. if you look at his numbers, all virtually all his goals, nearly all of his goals, even though you could see, clearly see there was some big talent there in the first half of the season, all of his actual tangible uh, uh, achievements came in twenty twenty three. Um, and, and I mean, he's been on fire in 2023. He scored 15 goals in, in 2023 for for Atalanta and for uh, for Denmark. Uh, and and you know, you can see, you know, just looking at him physically, he's already a man. You know, he already bullies defenders physically, uh, and he, he, you know, he's, he's so quick. We saw that burst of pace that he did against Lazio that time, and that was probably his best performance. Um, and he has that incredible left foot, you know, just like the player that he is compared to, which is Erling Haaland. He's he's, he's compared to him um, under 11 seconds. He he does the 100 metres in. So, I mean, you can see that he he won't have a problem physically uh, with the Premier League, with the intensity and stuff. But yeah, it is a short period of time. And, and there's always, yeah, there's always a risk also with youngsters as well. Um, are they ready? Is he going to be ready? Is he going to be if he's going to be Man United's number nine straight away? So well, the difference is this, and that is that Eric Ten Hag knows has worked with young players. Of, of you know, is good with young players. We know that he can get players to take the next step. He improves players regardless of how old they are. We've seen that with him, right? So I think that's one thing that I think is 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 is, is that is comforting if you're Manchester United. Um, for for Atalanta, they know how to skin and fleece Premier League clubs. Um, yeah, and they know how to skin and fleece anyone who wants to buy their players. Period. Um, but I'm starting to wonder if 
the jig is up soon because, you know, between Kulusevsky and, and the other Swede, um, whose name eludes me now, uh, you know, when he went to United, um, what's his name? Dial- oh, Elanga. Anthony Elanga. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, he's, he's been sold. He's on the brink of being sold. Well, exactly. He's yeah. not been very, very good, has he? Mm. Uh, I never rated him, to be honest with you. I never... I never... I, I never... I never got the fuss of him. Uh, he, he He's a classic example of youth merchant that just because he's young, uh, everybody suddenly rates them. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, uh, I mean, Atal- we know Atalanta, how well they've done. I mean, if they do sell him for this big money, um, again, it, is, it just shows what an incredible job Atalanta do in, in scouting these players and, and and if they get Bilal Torre, I mean, who knows? He he might be the next one. I mean, they they just they're just so good at discovering these players. And sorry, I mean and, I mean Ahmad Diallo, who played for Atalanta and barely played, and then went to Manchester United, not the Swedish Elanga. Uh, but yeah. they, you know, Ahmad Diallo was sold to United for forty million. Yeah, and he'd I mean, only played he'd only played about two hundred and seventy minutes of, of, of senior. This is football. what I mean. Like they know how to fleece clubs for yeah. for talent. And but it's also, and I was discussing this the other day. Um, separately is is that you know Atalanta Gasparini is a system based coach yes and there is always the so. risk with system based coaches that players only play well in their in system, that system and they don't yeah. I mean I don't think it'll be the case for Hoyland we've seen how well he's done for Denmark and he's been on fire for Denmark as well um, you know he doesn't come across as a system based player at all but there have been so many Atalanta players who had just haven't they've gone to other clubs and they haven't um, they haven't performed they haven't fulfilled their potential um, you know once they've left Atalanta uh, you can you can go through so many Gagliardini Robin Gosens um, I mean Ahmed Diallo is a, I guess is a is a, is another one isn't he um, you know Frank Kessier even for a while um, and even Kessier probably hasn't reached the sky sky high I mean he hasn't done it at Barcelona okay he did did well. With Milan winning the Scudetto with them, but even him, Cristante, Mancini. Cristante. I mean, you know, Mancini's yeah. only now. Gianluca Mancini's only now coming into it. Gagliardini, yeah. Romero, a- Romero, yeah, as well. I mean, he's mm. been he's been decent at, at Tottenham, and he obviously did very well for Argentina. But even he, he hasn't he hasn't fulfilled as well. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 there's there's that as well. Um, I do think he's an incredible talent, though, and the fact that you know you know I, let's not undersell him again but atlanta won't know atlanta no no they they don't they know how they to sell know players. how to sell players and they know how to charge for their players and they don't and they care. don't need to sell as well they're profitable yeah they're they are they run club. really really well i mean it's i think you said it best when you describe them pound for pound the best run club in the world and i think that's that's a very, very good way to describe it yeah yes absolutely right okay where are we at right we're not going to get through everything we've done we've gone through um I do think we should talk a little bit about um, Skamaka before we move on. But, I mean, because it's it's a very interesting discussion. Like, where does he go? Does he stay at West Ham? Does he stay with Roma, Inter? Does he he go to Roma, Inter, or Juve? Which club is best? I mean, it's it's an interesting discussion. Well, the the doors are open, potentially, for for Roma, who, of course, are the favourites for him. And as was was, um, explained by Andrea Di Carlo on on our Roma uh, transfer deep dive which came out last Wednesday and I would invite everybody to take a listen to that we go through Nimmer and, and Andrea go through um, the Roma's transfer market the players that are potentially coming in those who are, who are going out 
Paolo Dybala, will he go to Chelsea? Uh, which striker will Roma buy? Which midfielder will they buy? Uh, some fantastic stuff on Jose Mourinho and what actually happened in the parking lot with um, with, the, with the referee, uh, Anthony Taylor. Uh, he was there, Andrea Di Carlo was there and witnessed all of it. He, he told us the whole backstory of that. It's fantastic, absolutely fantastic pod. Andrea Di Carlo, uh, check it out. It's for our patrons only and um, some amazing stuff. He's brilliant, by the way, Nima. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. Um, mm. Just just fantastic. Um, so, yeah, these, uh, these so, yeah. Roma journalists are funny, man. They're, they're, good, they're good people and they know their shit. I mean, all of yeah, these, they, the club-specific journalists that we bring on, they really know their crap. They really know their shit. They, they really, really do, know you know. They really know their stuff. And it's something <clears> that's being lost in, in journalism um, at the moment because, you know, I'm seeing it, um, that the, the, the corporate media and the mainstream media partly understandably because they're under so much financial pressure and because the, 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 the legacy media is dying and the advertisement revenue is dying and, That's and dying. they just don't have the money. What they're doing is that they're getting rid of club correspondents, club-specific correspondents mm. who are really great experts. There's so many of them that are really fantastic experts and know their clubs inside out, got great insight, great contact, great sources, great information. They're brilliant at what they do. They're getting rid of them and, they're, and they're, instead they're hiring, instead of hiring, for example, if you take an, an Italian uh, place, if you take an Italian media, for example, instead of hiring a Juventus, Milan, Inter, Roma, and Lazio correspondent, five of them that will, you have to pay for five. They'll, they'll, they'll hire a, an aggregator basically who will cover all five of them, um, and you get basically paying for one person to cover all five rather than than and rather than paying for five separate ones. And I think that's sad. Um, but anyway, <laughs> going on a tangent. Um, Skamaka, the doors are open for Roma, for Inter, for Juve. Um, which club do you think is best best suited for him to rebuild his career? That's a really interesting question because it depends. I think if you're looking for just one, for, from a perspective of where is he most likely to succeed because the environment is so protective and knows how to handle it and has done it a million times before, it's Juve. He will be completely protected. He'll be able to focus on his football. There won't be any problems unless he creates them. Um, you know, he'll be surrounded. It's a it's an Italian young Juve now. That's the new project. Uh, I think Juntoli um, will, will will knows how to build relationships. So I think I think that would be for him from that perspective. Does he him. need to be happy though? Because people have spoken about Juventus and it being obviously a very talking about corporations, very corporate, very, you know, ruthless, cold. Uh, some of these might be stereotypes, but I think they are partly true compared to other clubs. Um, you know, almost like the military, almost like a like a, soldatino, like an army camp. A soldatino, like an army camp. Yeah, a famous soldiers. quote by Cassano that I'm not yes. a... I'm not yeah, a exactly. Without ever wanting to agree with Cassano on anything, but <laughs> it's true, you know. And Schemacher absolutely does come, true. does come across as the kind of person that I'm not sure whether he would like that kind of being ordered around, and you have to do this, and you have to eat shit, and do everything at, the, at this time, and you know. Well, I don't maybe know. That's, that's exactly my... what he needs, you know, because I think you know, being from Rome, and Rome being the crazy, beautiful, insane city, and Piazza Roma, that they are absolutely batshit. I think maybe a bit of calm would be good for him. You know what I mean? I think Juve know how to take players that come from, you know, 
troubled backgrounds and, and just need a bit of, because I think he strikes me as someone who wants peace and quiet. I don't think he wants um, chaos around him. I think he would like, I think he would appreciate a bit mm, of But I do calm. think there's a sensitivity about him that maybe. Mm, there yeah, is. I there is. I don't there, know. That's, I, that's, that's, that's my, that would be my question mark over you, though. But I guess he's had an exper- a year's experience with the Scottish Allegri, so he's, <laughs> he's prepared him for the Italian Allegri. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what about Inter? What about Inter? I though? would love him at Inter. He's been my first choice to, to bring in because I think if he came to Inter, he would also, same thing there, he would be given time because, you know, Turam would be the starter at first and he'd be eased in. Um, um, but so I would I would welcome him with open arms. I think I think I you know how what I think of this guy. I think he's the only the, the, the issue I have with Inter. Football. The only the issue I have with Inter is this. I would like him just talking from a purely Italy national team point of view, but also thinking about him. So that where he is the the undisputed first choice striker. Well, he would be that at Roma, and he would be that at Juve. He wouldn't be that this season. Exactly. That's that's that's. I think that's the question mark with Inter. You know, will it be him? Will it be Turam? Uh, I mean, we know Lautaro is going to start, and we know that for sure. Uh, but then again, at Inter, he'd be playing in a he'd be playing in a front two, and you know, would that suit him in a front two rather than? Oh, I think low? so. With Lautaro, I think he would. I, like, yeah. I, this guy, I, I Lautaro, so could, Lautaro could almost be like the Schemaka, the, the Schemaka, the Raspadori. To, yeah, to, to, exactly to, that, exactly yeah. that, and I think that that would be the ideal. You know, that would be. The perfect solution for all of them. Uh, no, I, I, I have, I rate this guy mm. a lot. I, for me, he is the future of Italian. Uh, the Italian and then you got Roma. Team. Then yes. you got Roma. Roma, he would, he would start. He would absolutely start. It's, it's his club. He loves the club. Um, but you know, he would, it would be a, you know, he would come, come into that dressing room, and you know, it's, um, I think he would fit in quite well. But again, it's it's the life around everything surrounding it. Where can it get too intense for him? Because yeah. you know, Roma. As I said, Rome is a crazy city, and Roma is a crazy. Piazza. You can feed off. You can feed off Dybala, Pellegrini. You know, really talented, yeah. skillful, yeah. creative players. If, but the thing is, if, Morata, if but, they can get it working, that is. Yeah, and Mourinho. I'm not sure he's Mourinho's number one choice. I think, I think no, Alvaro he's not. Morata. It's Morata. It's Alvaro Morata. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, the as, thing, as, the other thing as I Andrea say, told us, you know, Roma dream of both of them. You know, mm. they, they, that would be the idea. Well, who knows? We can get one of them on loan. Maybe that is possible. But, mm. but you know, I do. The other thing I would say, the final thing I would say about Schumacher is I do feel like he's the kind of player that will play better in a team that plays expressive football. Now, West Ham are not that. Juventus are not that. But even Roma are not that under Mourinho. We know that they're more of a kind of a counter attack. And even though Mourinho has kind of changed his style a little I think bit, he has, the yeah. numbers. The numbers don't lie. You see the number of goals that the Roma score. I know that's partly down, certainly the start of last season, down to terrible finishing. And the XG was so much higher than the actual goals scored. But there's no doubt out of these three teams that the team that create the most chances and the team that play the most attacking football and throw the most men forward uh, is Inter. So I think in that sense, I think Inter is the best team for him because he's going to be playing the team that will allow him yeah. to express himself, that will have more players attacking, more players around yeah. him. He's and he's got Fratesi the- there as well, who is like his best yeah. friend since they were children. So I think tactically and, 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 and that aspect, I think, yes, Simone Inzaghi's football suits him the best. But if we're talking mm-hmm. just off the pitch, I think Juve would be a... Safe. I think there's pros, there's pros and cons for all of them. Yeah. I think there's 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 there's, uh, there's and an of course argument. the romantic choice would be Roma, which would be beautiful because again you'd have another Rome, Roma team, f- a dressing room filled with Romanisti from the city. 
which is a very you know it's a very typical Roma Lazio thing. They they always want that, don't they? Mm. Um, so it's it's interesting. It's it's interesting. I just hope he doesn't stay at West Ham. That's all I want. Just leave West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> David Moyes signing Divo Corrigi to replace Gamaka would be the most David Moyes thing, <laughs> David Moyes thing ever. So uh, we will see if that happens. Right. Let's finish off with Badjo and Prem face of the week. Right, Badjo. I've got a couple. Go um, so I'll go through them. First of all, I um, just want to say congratulations to, to Italy women. They started off the Women's World Cup um, today with a 1-0 win against Argentina. Um, a goal from Cristiana Girelli. Um, late goal. She's, some, I mean, she's, she's had a fantastic career. And, and uh, she's 33 now. She came on as a sub and scored in the 87th minute for Italy to win. So that's a great result for Italy. And they've got Sweden and um, South Africa in their group as well. Sweden are good, aren't they? Sweden have got a really strong team. So that's a really important result for for Italy. Um, They're probably going to play United States in the last 16. So they're not going to get any further than the last 16. But this isn't a great Italy team this year. So just getting out of the groups would would be something, I think. So well done to them. Uh, good start for them, but I have to say Sweden not very good either, and I think Italy have a, have could have a chance against Sweden. They're quite they're quite. I was looking at the betting odds um, to win the to win the World Cup, and Sweden were quite high up on it. I think. Yeah, but it's not it's not one of the better Swedish teams. It's yeah. a very fairly anonymous Swedish team. They they're, they're a good unit, but mm. they don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying Italy could surprise because Sweden could get would surprise, yeah. for Well, Italy yeah. need to somehow not play United States in the mm. last 16. So they need to try and finish first in the group uh, mm. above Sweden. And yeah, Sweden yeah. won their first game against um, South Africa at the South death. South Africa 1-0. So. No, 2-1 at the death. They were 1-0. Oh, was it 2-1? Yeah, yeah, they scored at the death. Yeah. Yeah, so well done on them. Um, the other Badjo of the week, I mean, I don't know if Badjo is the, is the right word um, to, for this, but um, just wanted to say... Uh, Condolences, rest in peace to Trevor Francis, who uh, sadly I've just seen just while we were recording. Just died, uh, yeah. Has just died at the age of 69, which is really, really sad news. Um, he, another one he, of the 80s superstars in, in Italy. Another of Roberto Mancini's friends and, yeah. and, and teammates. I mean, it's, it's Sampdoria, it's, yeah. In Sampdoria, I mean, it's just brutal year for Mancini. Um, and it's very, very sad. Um, he was a Fantastic player. What a player. I loved him. Uh, he played in Italy for Sampdoria and Atalanta. He was brilliant at Sampdoria. He was absolutely brilliant. He was there for four years, but unfortunately, he was injured. He was so injury prone. He's one of the most injury prone players um, there has been. And he, he missed probably half of half of the his games uh, at, at Sampdoria um, during his four years there. But when he did play, he was absolutely brilliant. Some of the goals he scored. I mean, he was he was the complete striker. He was he was a very modern striker. He had everything. He was he he was a great dribbler. He was lightning quick. He was both footed. He was technical. Um, he he interchanged really really well. I mean, Mancini and Viali always spoke really highly of him and and what they what he taught them. Uh, and you know the, that Sampdoria attack line in the in that in that time period. I mean, those three mm. all together. Um, I mean, absolutely fantastic lineup, and he was um, he was pivotal in Sampdoria winning the, their very first ever um, trophy, um, which was the the Coppa Italia uh, of nineteen eighty five. That's the first trophy that Sampdoria ever won in their history, 
Um, and Trevor Francis was the the top scorer of the of Sampdoria that season. But he was the top scorer in the in the Coppa Italia um, that season. And that just Sampdoria to put it team, into perspective for people as well, he was Britain's first one million pound player. Um, yeah. He won the European Cup and Champions League with Nottingham Forest twice, two years in a row, 78, 79, 79, 80. Um, we're talking about a, you know, it was a Birmingham City legend, isn't he? So we're, we are talking about a top, top player. Oh, no, he was, he was, in terms of like pure ability, you could almost call him world class. Yeah, um, but agreed. because of his injuries, maybe never got never was able to get that tag. But I mean, he scored the winner in a European Cup final for yeah. Nottingham Forest yeah. when they beat uh, 1979, when they beat Malmo actually yeah. in the in the final. Um, and when for the famous Brian Clough, when he took them up from the, the second division, mm. uh, won promotion from the second division to the first division, then won the first division in his first season in the first division and then won the European Cup season after. Um, just shows how beautiful football was. But that Sampdoria team that won the Coppa Italia was a fantastic team. Francis, Mancini, Viali, Graeme Sunis, who, who actually scored in the final against Milan. They beat mm. Milan in the final. Pietro Viecowood was 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 in defence. Um, Beccalossi. Yeah. Beccalossi was in that team, Inter legend. Um, so, you know, they were... Uh, they were they were that was a great team so yeah i was shocked actually because i had no idea that uh, i don't know how he died how he passed but um i had no idea that he was ill or anything and um yeah very very sad very very kind gentle guy as well um yeah very sad okay um prem face of the week nima do you have anything um no um not anything that stands out but i'm pretty sure you do <laughs> Yes, I do. Um, I put uh, I put something in here. I, I don't know whether I've got something I've forgotten about, but I know which one I, I definitely have, and that is Richard Keys. <laughs> yeah, that's Richard, the one. Richard that's the Keys. one I was referring to. To you, yes. I mean, it's like it literally. Of course, he was going to say that about Andre Onana, wasn't he? Yeah, he said Andre Onana <laughs> was unproven because he'd never played in the Premier League. Which is, again, your classic, you know, if there's one thing that you know a Prem face is always going to say about a player, a foreign player joining the Premier League or a foreign player that hasn't played in the Premier League is they're unproven because they've not played in the Premier League. So, yeah. So, no, no, yeah, he's unproven. Him saying that, him saying, but it was also about him, you know, I wonder if, you know, how's his shot-stopping ability and blah, blah, blah and, and all that. And yeah, like, he said that United are going to regret getting rid of, 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 De, Gea. of De Gea and... Uh, De Gea's proven because he's played in the Premier League and, and Onana is unproven. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and the fact that it's Richard Keyes as well, it's like, of course it is Richard. Of course it's him um, that, that he would say that because his, his Twitter is so funny. <laughs> I, I follow him. Um, not, I don't follow him, but I do go and check what he's written every now and again. Oh, you've got to, isn't it? I mean, we've got we've got a, we've got a weekly segment. I mean, let's no, it's not just that. No, your I, best material. No, no. It's uh, the reason why I do it is because I think he's so so funny, um, in the sense that I always go and see. I always go and check what he's what he's angry about now, because mm. it's it's very very entertaining, um, and and it's yeah. It's uh, so so. Uh, it's it's just it just felt like when I saw that I was like, of course it's Richard Keys. Of course he said that about Onana. You know, it's, it's like you could bet your mortgage that he would say that. Yeah, 
Death, taxes, and Richard Keyes being a prem face. Yes. <laughs> right, okay, right, let's leave it at that. I've got a horrible feeling this guy will cost you. This guy, not even in name, this guy. That will cost, guy. Yeah, this, yeah, that and this. <laughs> this guy will cost United as many points in a season as De Gea used to say. This is a big call by Ten Hag. Oh, <laughs> I didn't so see dramatic. that. I didn't see those quotes actually. I just saw the, the bit where oh, he said he's unproven. Yeah. Okay. So funny. Right. Well, let's leave it at that. Um, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. Um, we will be back on Tuesday for the Q and A, and then either on Wednesday or Thursday for a Lazio deep dive on the on the Mercato with who is it with Nima? Um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm waiting on confirming, uh, who, with, with, um, it's Marco Barbalicia, his name is, I'm waiting to confirm with him what date mm. it is, but he works on a local TV station in, in Rome and he's a Lazio, he's covered Lazio for like a long time. So yeah, that, that's who yeah. we can talk Yeah, to. check that out. These Roman journalists are insanely good. It's, it's insane how good they are, how much they know. Right. Okay. Thanks everyone for listening. See you on Tuesday for the Q and A. Until then, ciao, ciao. 